Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. We are so glad you're joining us today. We are covering a season that we're calling A Crown with Purpose. And in the book of Esther, while God's name is never mentioned behind the scenes, we know that God's at work. And so as Walt and I return to the story, let's just review quickly what has happened. King Ahasuerus has hosted a military planning session in Susa, and it concluded 180 days of planning concluded with a seven-day feast. And the scriptures tell us there in chapter one, where wine was abundant. And then the king summoned Queen Vashti to appear before him and all of his guests. However, she refused. And because of that, he deposed her from the crown. And history tells us he then turned his attention to Greece, where his mighty troops met a severe disaster and defeat. Once they returned home, he was surrounded again by life in the Persian palace, advisors and concubines, but his desire was to have a trophy bride. He wanted a queen. And so as verse as, uh, chapter 2 opens, rather, after these things, so it's referring to all that has taken place of this review that we've given through chapter 1, these years of war, after all these things, now in chapter 2, his anger has abated. He remembers his queen Vashti and what she had done and what had happened when he, he had decreed against her. And then his young men who were attending him had an idea. They said, let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces to gather the beautiful young virgins to the harem here in Susa, the citadel, under the custody of the king's eunuch who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given and let the young woman who pleases the queen, the king be the queen instead of Vashti. And this pleased the king. And he did so, looking for a new queen to replace Vashti. You know, this king found himself missing. Maybe there was a sense of sadness or even regret. And these king's young men, they, they needed to solve some problems. We don't want a sad or a depressed king. That's, um, oh, no. When we have a sad and depressed king, yes. people die. Yes, it is not good for the, the common folk, right? The citizens. And so they gather beautiful virgins from all over his kingdom, and he will have an opportunity to meet them. The young woman who pleases him will be the new queen. And this king is, that we met in chapter one, Brenda, he's pretty capricious. He, he, he gets angry. He, he recovers. Well, now we learn a little more of the intrigue that's going to go on in the palace behind the scenes. Now, verse 5, there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai. He's the son of Jar, son of Shemai, son of Kish, a Benjaminite, 
who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jehoiakim, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. And he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther. Those are her two names, one Persian, one Hebrew. This daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. And this young woman had a beautiful figure. She was lovely to look at. And when her father and mother had died, Mordecai took her in as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. So we have this background of Mordecai. He's a Benjaminite. He's been carried into exile. Um, He's raising Hadassah. Um, She didn't have no um, parents, were no longer living, and they were cousins. Hadassah, that name in Hebrew, means myrtle tree, and it's associated with peace and loveliness and prosperity. And it says she has a beautiful figure. She was lovely to look at. And Mordecai cared for her as his own daughter. And her name in Persian, Esther, means star. So once again, we see this king's order. His edict is proclaimed to these young men. They're gathered. And Esther's taken into the king's palace and put in custody of this eunuch in charge of the women. And the intrigue builds and grows. What's going to happen? I feel at this point, we're like, okay, okay what, what's next? What's going to happen next to this young woman? And you get the idea here, Walt, that literally officials all across the kingdom and all of the provinces were looking for young women. They wanted they wanted the next queen to be from their province, right? right? And if they located her and they brought her to the king, he would show them favor. So I mean, we're not talking a, a woman or two. We're, we're talking over a hundred provinces. We're talking about hundreds of women, most likely, that are in this beauty contest, unlike any <laughs> that maybe the world has ever seen before. Right. So continuing in verse 9, And the young woman, that's Esther, pleased him, that's Haggai, the eunuch who's in charge of these young women. She pleased him and won his favor. Remember those words, friends. Yeah, those are important. Yes, we are going to see those words today. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics, her portion of food, and he gave her seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Hadassah, this woman who now will the rest of this book be referred to as Esther, she pleased him, the eunuch in charge of all these young virgins. She won his favor. And I can't help but go back to Joseph. We see back in Genesis 39, several examples. Joseph found favor, found favor with Potiphar and was put in charge of Potiphar's house. He then was thrown unjustly into prison. Well, the prison guard there also had Joseph found favor. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison, showed him steadfast love, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And whatever he did, Joseph did, the Lord made it to succeed. 
And that example, uh, just pulling this out because she won favor. So we don't have God's name mentioned here, but this favor is she's one of the chosen. Yes, he provided as she won his favor, best cosmetics, her best, the best portions of food. He brought in seven chosen young women. Why is that important? Because these young women understand the way of the palace. How do you carry yourself? How do you walk? How do you approach? How do you act and behave? And where do you look? And how do you speak? These women were were training her over these 12 months, and he quickly advanced her to the best place in the harem. I want us to make sure that we note here that Esther was commanded, that word commanded, that she was to be quiet about her people and her kindred. Remember, Mordecai is a cousin they are from the tribe of Benjamin. They had been, their family had been brought here by Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian capture of Jerusalem. And Mordecai, he's advising Esther behind the scenes, and she's taking his advice, the advice of a wise older man. And even as you said, Brenda, that we should remember this, this whole idea of finding favor, um, that she won the favor of this eunuch who's in charge of this. What's so amazing is, I mean, she, she finds favor all of the girls, all of the women that were there were trying to find favorites. It's not like she's the only one. But again, behind the scenes, the Lord is working behind the scenes. He's granting her favor. And as we continue on with that, that's going to be important. You know, sometimes we don't see God at work in our life, but behind the scenes, as we trust him, as we walk with him, we can find favor in different circumstances, even with people who, like in this case, these aren't godly people. They're not excited about the God of Israel, but behind the scenes, he's moving their hearts. And as we continue on in this story, now, when the turn came for each young woman to go into King Ahasuerus, um, they come in and it talks about how many months and they're coming. The young woman would go into the king and, and um, she would take in with her whatever she wanted from the harem king's palace. Again, Esther is going to show her wisdom. But remember, there's 12 whole months and there's six months of oil and myrrh and spices, another six months for ointments, and these young women were prepared to go into the king. Yeah, and this is an all-out five-star <laughs> spa. I mean, I know nothing about spas. I've never <laughs> been to one, but at the same time, I've seen them around, and, and these young women are, that are brought in, they were already lovely, and they had a desire. They wanted to win this con- this contest. They wanted to be the new queen. It would mean power and wealth and prestige and honor to their families. And all these treatments that they've been working on there in Persia for hundreds and hundreds of years, they're all using them to try to get each of these women as lovely as possible. Um, and with that, the women begin to appear before the king, and there's a very clear role protocol to follow. When the young woman would go into the king, she was allowed to take anything. And each of the women, when they would do this, they'd go in the evening, they'd come back in the morning, and then they would not see the king again unless he requested her appearance, unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned back by name, she would never see him again. 
Yeah, and you know, as you you talk about this, and I mean, twelve whole months of preparation. You know, it, this almost seems like a fairy tale. You know that that for twelve months you're you know participating in in beauty and treatments and you know all that was involved with these most beautiful young women. But I think also remembering that everyone wanted to win this particular contest, right? Um, you've mentioned that, Walt, and we, and it's so important that we remember um, that these women wanted to be the queen. Yeah, and earlier I, we were reading and I was sharing with you some of the background from archaeology that talks about the palace courts and, and how, I mean, this is a big deal. This is, is not a rinky-dink kingdom. This is the most powerful kingdom on the face of the earth. And their prestige and their, their the beauty of it and then the beauty of the people in it, all of that was for the world to see. And we don't know the timing of when actually it was Esther's turn. We know that the eunuch had had moved her into the best part of the harem, but we don't even totally understand all of those details. We don't know how many women may have gone before her. We don't know all of the timing and what that looked like. But verse 15 tells us this, when the turn came for Esther, then she was to be taken into the king Remember, Walt had just previously said, as as it was your turn to go before the king, you could ask for anything that you wanted. That meant the robes that you wanted, the jewelry you wanted, the the whatever you wanted your hair to be like, like whatever you wanted, you could have as far as makeup and what you were going to look like. But it's so interesting because Esther, the text tells us she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. And friends, this is a glimpse into Esther's wisdom and insight. We need to hold on to that that little sliver um, that of this story and remember, this is a young woman. Yes, she's beautiful, but she is a wise woman. And you know, it's the text has already said she's taking advice from Mordecai, a wise man. Now she's taking advice from Haggai, who's in charge of the king's court. He's giving her the advice. This is what the king likes best. Take this, do this. And she's wise enough to say, I'm going to listen to this guy. And again, what does the text say? Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. I love that piece of the text. It keeps saying this. Yeah, and how often, you know, just a head to heart, I think of right here, Walt, but when we have wise people, we have godly people, we have leaders around us, do we turn to them and say, what would you advise I do? What would you advise? How should I handle this situation? How should I approach this person in a conversation? Uh, there's so there's so many ways we can go there, but Esther is an amazing young woman here. When Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, in the seventh year of his reign, 17, the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. There it is again, yet a third time she won grace and favor now in the sight 
of the king. And with this winning of this contest, then verse 18, the king gave a great feast. This guy loves his feasts. He gave a great feast for all his officials and his servants. It was Esther's feast. It's in honor of Esther. He's replacing Vashti. He says, we now have a queen worthy of the whole nation, uh, looking at and saying, what a great queen. And he also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Remember, he's come back from a, a bad military defeat, and he throws this huge party, and he says, oh, you don't have to pay taxes this year. Oh, I wish I could hear those words too. <laughs> and and again, as we come to this part of the story, this head to heart, God is at work in this story. Um, he knows the details of the lives of these individual, and they're woven together in a beautiful purpose. Um, it's a tapestry. It's his design. God is at work in your story. He knows the details of your life. And he's weaving something together with purpose in a tapestry. He has design. Um, I love in Psalm 138, 8, verse 8, it says this, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, it endures forever. And in the last part of this verse, do not forsake the work of your hands. God, stay at work in my life. Stay at work in the lives of those listeners who are on with us today. And and I, I'd just like at this point to, to pray, Lord, um, there's times we can't see all the details. We can't see the pieces of your master plan. Uh, at those times, re- remind me, remind us that you will fulfill your purpose. And as I cry out to you, and in those times of fear and doubt, uncertainty, um, do not forsake the work of your hands in my life. Do not forsake the work of your hands in the life of our listeners. And so, Lord, once again, we commit our day into your hands as we continue to walk with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.